Well, man, I'm so glad that you guys came to church today. God, God is so good. He's stirring hearts. He's moving in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Aren't you glad that, that, that as we gather, we get to experience more of his presence? You can experience his presence on your own. You really can. But we're meant to be the church. We're meant to gather just, just as, a, as part of the definition. Uh, I, love, I think it's Chip Ingram or Chuck Swindoll, one of those guys said uh, Christianity has never been intended to be a solo sport. It's, it's just by definition. It's not. It's meant to be done with others. You have something inside of you that some, someone else needs today. And we're, we're meant for mutual edification. We always think about what we can get going to church. But I thank you that God's changing your guys' hearts and you're thinking about what I can give. And as we give, how many, how many of you know as you give, you get filled up? Yep. When someone, it, here's, here's the hard thing. This is, wow, we're digressing before we even get to the beginning. It started with the kiss, just threw everything off. <laughs> The, one of the hardest things is when someone's stuck in an emotional rut, kind of in a state of depression, you know, just in a funk, the hardest thing to convince them of is that the best thing for them would be stop thinking of yourself. That's what perpetuates it. Well, I need to focus on me, get healed up. You don't, you need to give. You need to get out of your own head. You need to get out in the, in the real world. You need to find something to get your hands dirty with, help somebody out, serve, sacrifice, and all of a sudden, I don't know what happened. Like, I, like half my depression left. Yep. Just keep giving, keep serving. But that's, that's a hard conversation. But I'm just too, too, I just don't have anything right now. I'm just so, like, I get it. I'm sympathetic towards that, but I also know that the solution lies on the other side of you getting out of your funk. Well, but I got to wait till I feel better. Well, then you'll be waiting for the rest of your life or so medicated up that it won't matter. Let's make these action steps. And so as we come to church, what a great place to give, right? There's, there's a hundred other opportunities that someone just might be having a worse day than you. Or even if they're having a better day than you, it still might be bad. Yours just might be really bad, but you can make yours better by thinking of others and praying for them and encouraging them and pouring coffee for them and pulling a chair out for them. And Right? You know, I don't know what all that would mean, but it means serving others. And then all of a sudden you realize that your own soul is getting filled up. That has nothing to do with our message today, but it's, it's representing God and it's walking in this abundant life that we've been given so we've been in this series for a little while, Distinguished People. What's, what does that mean? What does distinguished people? It means that distinguished means a, a dis, like a, a separating fact, something that's unique about something. Why? And so a distinguished gentleman, right, set out from the crowd. We're distinguished people. What's, what makes us distinguished? Well, let's find out. So we read in Exodus 33. This today is 9 and 11, the verses. Uh, As Moses went into the tent... The pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Hmm. I, that, like, I want that to hit today. As one speaks to a what? A friend. The Lord spoke to Moses as one speaks to a friend. And then we get to our, our key verses here. Then Moses said to him, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not send us up from here. What else will distinguish me and your people from all other people on the face of the earth? He's saying, then this is, it's, it's you, Jesus. It's where you're at. And uh, I love, I was, I was telling a couple of people, uh, we had our men's meeting yesterday, and we started this curriculum like back in like August or July or something, you know, like a while ago. Had a couple months that we weren't able to meet. And it's on the character of God. And so we learned about his holiness, his mercy, his love, right? just different things about God out of an Old Testament passage. And so it comes with a set of questions. Each lesson does. There were six lessons. And I don't think we met in November or December. So then in January we met, and now in February, this was our last one. So we finished up yesterday. And so as I was preparing, I was reading through the, the notes that came with it or whatever, and the last chunk of the lesson, almost the last half of the lesson, all was, if your presence doesn't go with me, don't send me up from there. It's about pursuing the presence of God. That was, that was in our men's lesson. I've been preaching on this verse for four weeks, and that's what our men's 
lesson ended with yesterday, had no idea that that was in there. And what a beautiful thing that God orchestrated that back in July or whenever it was that I would pick that series. And then after four weeks of doing this, we would end yesterday on our men's thing talking about pursuing the presence of God, walking in the presence of God. How cool is that? Try to organize that, why don't you? <laughs> you can't. So this was from uh, two times ago. Uh, you know, what, what do we take away from this? Well, you need, to, you need to do the work. You can't just expect, as, as, as gracious and good as God is, he does show up unexpectedly. He graces us with his presence. I'm not taking anything away from that. But the lessons that we can take away from this is if you want to experience a sustained presence of God in your life, you got to set up the tent, man, just like Moses did. You got to do the work. You got to get outside the camp, shut off the voices, shut off the TV, shut off the Facebook. I just can't hear the Lord. How much are you, time are you spending? Well, let's see. I got 16 hours I spend on Facebook and then three on TV and then uh, read some kind of dorky book, you know, that has nothing to do with nothing. And Well, I don't know. About a minute or two. You know, got to get outside. Get, get away from the other voices sometimes. And then you got to ignite your soul for God. Moses was just burning for the Lord. And he just said, oh, I just, you have to go with us or I don't want to go. I don't want to go if you don't want, if you're not with us. So... Uh, I just kind of feel like I'm talking to a few different people today. Last time, we tried to, uh, we shared, you know, a bunch of different people kind of shared, like, what is the presence of God? What are, what are we actually talking about? Because, yes, God is everywhere, and that's called the omnipresence of God, but we're talking about the manifest presence of God, where God shows up. Even though he's already here, he presents himself in a way, and the way we kind of say it, you ever been with someone, and you had a conversation with someone, and they're not there? I mean... Wives, you're like, Gee, every day with my husband? <laughs> Marnie's like, you looked right at me, and you nodded your head. I'm like, yeah, I was, I don't even know, I don't even remember that I talked to you, right? You're there, but you're not there. Have you ever been, uh, you know, in a, in a feeling like a, like a best friend kind of conversation, or, or uh, you know, someone that, you know, your kids, or, you know, your spouse, someone that's a little more intimate, you just know they're not there? And you could just start saying, well, yeah, uh, I guess I'm going to maybe divorce you and go marry a Martian and, uh, you know, I'm going to sell everything and whatever. And they're like, yep. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, they're not there. So that's kind of what we're saying. It's like they're there, but they're not there. Sometimes God is here, but we don't experience his presence in the same way as when we get tuned in and we experience God in a way that's, that's different. And, and sometimes, sometimes it changes so much that, other people notice. And we, we put up some of the revival quotes, you know, that, that one of, uh, I forget which town it was, but, you know, uh, oh, it was, that was in Utica uh, back uh, with uh, Finney, Charles Finney. They, the town experienced so much presence of God that people that were just on their way to go watch a horse race or something, stagecoach pulls into town and all of a sudden they're convicted of sin. All of a sudden they sense that God's in this place and they're far from God. That's, like, that's a presence of God that's permeating and that doesn't happen super often. But we just, we just wanted to set the stage that there's, there's more, right? So we're just kind of appetizing you with little nuggets of revival, some revival quotes just to show you there's, if you think you really walk in the presence, like that's good, that's great, uh, but there's more. And so we shared some of that, this presence of God. So we tried to have some people just share what, what does the presence of God mean to you? What is this like for you? So we shared some of those stories last time. And uh, I just feel like I'm, I'm still talking to a few different groups of people. I'm talking to people, I'm talking to people that, that I admire and I aspire to. You walk in the presence of God. Like you've, you've kind of got this dialed in. You're just, you're just with the Lord all the time. You just... You just, you feel like you've cultivated this presence of God. And it doesn't mean you're holier than me. It doesn't mean you're, like, you've just done the stuff. You've done, you've set up the tent. You've quieted the voices. You've, you've ignited your heart. Like, and you just walk in that. And I'm like, cool. I, I just, I want to, I want to walk like that. So I'm talking to some of you. And I don't, you guys should be up here teaching this, but you're not. I am. And so you'll just have to bear with and Jesus help him. He needs help. <laughs> right? You just have to do that. I'm talking to another group of people. Like, you get it. You've experienced, you went to a conference before and you've really experienced the presence of God. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about when the environment shifts. You know what I mean when you are just full of grief and hopelessness one second and all of a sudden, two seconds later, you're filled with hope and encouragement and you know that God showed up in your soul. He did something. Like, yes, he was already there. We know that. 
but he, he showed up in a way that wasn't the same. And he went, whoa, God is in this place. But you don't know how to quite, how do I keep that going? How do I, like, you know what I'm talking about, but you, like, how do we cultivate that? Hopefully we'll answer some of those questions today. And then there's another group of you still that I was hoping to talk to last week with all the people. Hopefully we connected some dots and you're like, I still don't really even get it. I don't even know what you're talking about. Hopefully the Lord just kind of nudges you and, we, and you're like, oh, I think that's what that means. So across the board today, I hope that some of this makes sense. So uh, we get a, here's where we've got to start from. If you want to experience the presence of God in your life, here's where you've got to start from. We're talking about this verse with Moses. He's like, God, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us. They put a veil over Moses' face. He was a glowy Moe. <laughs> I just thought of that right now. <laughs> he was a glowy Moe, right? When he would go and meet with the presence of God, his face would literally glow. You, ever, you guys ever seen stained glass windows or old, old, old artwork of church artwork? You know, like from the 1300s? They always had this yellow circle around their heads. They're, what do they call that? Halo. A halo, right? It's this, it, they painted that because people experienced that. People walked and people glow with the life and the presence of Jesus. I was just reading a story. No, who was it? What was it? Where? Stop. Hold on. Let me think. It doesn't matter. I can't come up with it. Well, I just started a couple books and I've been watching some videos. So I can't remember where it was from. But it was someone who had not been, they weren't a Christian yet. And they went to college and they experienced glowing people. And it was people that were so vibrant do you remember that? I don't know. Okay, you just agree. You're just agreeing. You're just amending the. You're amending the pastor. Yep. What a great wife, right? <laughs> she doesn't know what I'm talking about. She's like, "Amen, hallelujah." You the, the word, pastor, word. <laughs> and so he said he found out later that those people were Christians, and he ended up becoming a Christian. But it, it was so. It, was, it wasn't because they were shouting and angrier, louder than the other people. It wasn't because they were holding billboards. And I'm not against that, but it, it was because they were so distinct. They were separate. He, he noticed every single one of them. He could name them by name because it freaked him out. And he didn't know what it was. And, he, and it, they scared him kind of. He's like, I think they're, they're, I don't know. And it wasn't like what they were saying. It was their countenance. It's what they carried. The presence of God can affect you so much that you look different to other people. Yes. And you should. I've seen some of you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but we read in, uh, in Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. First or second, I can't remember what it is. But we read that this, this covenant that Moses had, if that was glorious, it was a covenant that brought death. How much more Glorious. Say more glorious. How much more glorious is this? And you're like, man, if I could just be Moses and sit with Jesus and wow, sit in the presence of God, more glorious. Well, if I could just have a God encounter like that, but I just don't think I'm cut out. I don't think I'm, I don't think God's picked me. More glorious. You got to start from the place that you know, that you know that the word of God says you have access to this. You're not cut out. You're not cut off. You're not not special enough. You're not, oh, I'm not part of that group. Shut up. You are, if you're in Christ Jesus, you've got a covenant that's more glorious. You have access to God. You've got to settle that once. I just don't know how to experience the presence of God. Here's where we start. As much as Glowy Mo was able to radiate the presence of God, Glowy Jim and Kathy and Alan and Shauna, Jerry and Aspen, right? We are able to as well. <laughs> what? <laughs> I gave you a kiss. You're already glowing. First Corinthians three. Here's this one. Okay, First Corinthians six is the other one. First Corinthians three is this one. Do you not know? Don't you know? Hey, don't you know? Hey, come on, bust out your Midwest accent. Ask your neighbor. Don't you know? 
Probably another COC first right there. We're just checking the boxes today. Don't you know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Yes and amen. That's where we're starting from. When we're talking about experiencing the presence of God, this is not for a select few. It's not for the chosen ones. It's not for the special people. If you surrendered your heart to Jesus and you said yes to Jesus, wipe away my sins, I want to follow you, be the Lord of my life, you now have access. You're on the in, you're in the in crowd. That's, there's only two crowds. The I'm going to hell and I'm not a Christian and the I'm in the in crowd, right? I know that I can't get there on my own. I, I'm a sinner. I need Jesus. I need the grace of God. That's the only way. The blood of Jesus covering, washing away my sins. That's, there's only two camps, the knots and the R's. So if you're an R, there's not a special group of R's. It's just one group, and everyone has a better covenant than Moses. Everyone is the temple of God, if you're a Christ follower. So what, are, what do I actually do then? How do I actually experience the presence of God? How do I... Because I think I know what you're talking about, but how do I how do I experience that? How do I? I don't know if I recognize that or not. Hopefully, last time with some of the stories, and and again, I just always go back to one of the favorite ways that I want to phrase it is, I was one way for you know an hour or three days or twenty weeks or whatever. I was feeling a certain way. I was experiencing a certain I, I don't know, and then in a second. I'm different. That, that's the, like the atmosphere of my heart changes, and when enough of that happens with enough people, the atmosphere of here changes. So you guys ever walked into a room, and you have no idea what's going on in the room, but you walk in, and you're like, whoa, a little tense in here. Yeah? You sense that in the atmosphere. Same thing with the presence of God. When enough people are experiencing and carrying and cultivating the presence of God, people walk in and go, whoa, what's going on? And I've said that before. People walk into this church and go, whoa. And not just because we sing a lot of songs or we preach and it's kind of funny and weird. What? I don't know. But they sense something different in the atmosphere. We've heard that for 30 years. What did, whoa, what's, I don't know. Something's weird in there. It's, I, but I kind of like it, though. I don't know. It's different. Tell me, tell me what I'm experiencing if we ever actually get to have a con- if they don't run away right away. <laughs> but don't you know that you're God's temple? So that's how, if you're going to experience the presence of God, you've got to know, by faith, God lives in me. I have access to this. I'm not, I'm not, because if you don't experience the presence of God in the way that you think you should experience the presence of God, your mind is going to start telling you, yep, oh yeah, you're probably not one of the chosen ones. You're not one of those special people that get to experience and baloney. That's not true. You're the temple of God. All right, first thing, first key, first, first nugget, first takeaway. You gotta, well, you got to start with knowing that it's possible. It is possible for every 100% of you. If you're following Jesus, 100% of us can experience the presence of God. Let me set your mind at ease. 100% of followers of Christ can experience a manifest presence of God in your life. 100%. Doesn't mean it can happen every single time you want it to or feel exactly like you want it to or accomplish exactly, because at the end of the day, he's still God. We're coming into his presence, okay? But he's still, he's still the boss. He's still the driver of the car, okay? But one way we cultivate this a little bit more is awareness, awareness, being aware of what God is doing in my life. Hold on one second. Okay. I've got some notes, but I can't remember what slides they're on, and I don't want to miss something. But um, Yeah, you're right. You just need to be aware. Jim, come on up here a second. Jim shared something at the men's group yesterday. I did not call him last night. I just told him right now that he was coming up to share this. And so we are just talking about how do you, ex- we were just asking the guys yesterday, how do you experience the presence of God? You are talking about slowing down. Yeah. Oh, oh, that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we were talking about experiencing and being aware <clears throat> of the presence of God. And I said, the, uh, Kathy and I had some conversations this week about um, being aware and, and slowing down and not keeping up because what happens and I, I was sitting thinking about this that as my brain is spinning when I was 20 I could keep up with my brain a little more <laughs> and now that I'm 71 or whatever you know I drop stuff and I bump into doors and I stumble a little bit because I'm not keeping up with where my brain's going 
But the process and where that took me to was that if I want to experience and be aware of the presence of God, I have to slow down and make space for that to happen. Because I'm a list person. I've got lists for everything. If you were here a few weeks ago when I preached, I showed you my phone. I've got lists, 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 lists. All this stuff I'm going to accomplish, and the title of it is called Today. Well, there's some of it has been on there over a month. <laughs> but, you know, today we're going to try and get this done. But to be aware and say, Lord, may I just slow down and make space and time and to be more aware of when you're trying to speak and see where you are moving. Because when I'm focused on something and I'm busy going 100 miles an hour, am I going to miss it? More than likely. So I just, I've been praying and saying, Lord, just help me to be more aware. Help me to slow down, to not have to push the envelope all the time, but to be a good listener and to take the time to listen. And then I was telling, it's part. I think it was part of that where I, when I do devotions and my brain's spinning, like, I always think of something. I think, I, oh, I need to do this. Oh, I'm not going to remember if I wait till devotions are done because I'll be off on something else. So now I finally have a, a pad of paper and a pen sitting by where I do devotion so I can just jot down a word or two to help remind me when I'm done with devotions that this is something that I want to follow through on. But it helps me to stay focused and stay in the moment instead of getting distracted and getting up to do that and never getting back to my devotions. But, you know, making time on purpose, yep. Yep. you know, to want his presence enough that I'm willing to change. If I keep doing the same things I've been doing, I'll keep getting the same results. So how's it going to change? I have to change on how I approach things and how I think and how I act to make that space. Was that kind of what you want? What was that? Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Praise God. Sometimes just being more aware. I mean, say, say adjust. Sometimes we're praying and we're like, God, why don't you just change me? Oh, I just, I can't spend time with you or I can't, I can't be as spiritual as I want to be because my mind keeps wandering. Just adjust. Instead of expecting God to change something, bring a notepad and a paper. Adjust. You move. <laughs> you do something to figure it out. Like God's given you creativity. I'm smiling because this is happy. I think it was Chip Ingram, I think said for a year, uh, he picked the longest line in the grocery store. And it finally killed off some of that stuff. And he started finding God moments everywhere. He's like, I'm going to take the longest route home. If, if there's a shortcut, I'm going the other way. If there's a long, you know, if there's a short line, I'm going to this one that has 17 people in it because it drives me crazy, and my flesh is trying to dominate this moment. And he said, all right, God, we're, we're adjusting. We're going to get to the bottom of this thing. And he said, once that started to die off, all of a sudden he started being aware of all the people around him that were hurting and just needed someone to be there, and just like all these God moments, with the beauty of things that were happening around him. And he just so became aware of God's presence. That was already being manifest around him, but all of a sudden he became aware of it. Um, you just, you've got to be looking for it. We see, there's, a, there's an old adage that says, we see what we're prepared to see. If you're prepared to see just another dumpy day, guess what you're going to get? If you're prepared to see God moving in, in places that I didn't expect, and you're just like our little puppy. <laughs> You're just kind of looking. What? I don't know. What's the worst thing that happens? You get through the day and you didn't see God doing anything, but you weren't grumpy and nasty all day? I don't know. I'd call that a victory, I guess. Being aware. A couple slides. Uh, Gordon Fee, he writes commentaries. He said, I think it's fair to note that if there's one thing that differentiates or distinguishes the early church from its 20th century, this was written last century, its counterpart in the 20th century is the level of awareness and experience of the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. 
Ask any number of people from today in all sectors of Christendom to define or describe Christian conversion or Christian life, and the most noticeable feature of that definition would be its general lack of emphasis on the active, dynamic role of the Spirit. It's precisely the opposite in the New Testament. The Spirit is no mere addendum. Indeed, he is the sine qua non, the essential ingredient of Christian life. Nor is he a mere datum of theology. Rather, he is experienced as in powerful presence in their lives. What he's saying is the presence of God is the distinguishing factor in the, new cent- in the first century church, the New Testament church, the first church. Like they lived and ate and breathed Jesus. It was about Jesus and his presence, his power, his Holy Spirit, moving in our lives, filling us up, guiding us, directing us, empowering us. It was about Jesus. Tom Schwanda says, uh, periodic awareness of God is not God's design. Instead, our triune God desires for us to cultivate a practice. That's the habitual pattern of our lives. Closely connected to this is a realistic understanding of what it means to experience God's presence. This is interesting. We should not expect or seek out only the spectacular encounters with God. That minimizes the normal way in which Christians have experienced God over the centuries. Like Elijah, he says, we need to realize that God's presence is typically not in the mountain-shattering wind or in the convulsions of the earthquake or in the consuming fires, but rather in God's gentle, quiet whisper, saying you can cultivate this every single day. You can be aware of God's nudges every day. If you slow down and quiet your heart and make yourself aware, even if you don't know if you've ever really experienced God's presence, you can start to experience God's presence. Have you guys ever heard of Brother Lawrence? (laughs) He wrote a book. He lived in 16, he was born in 1611, lived to 1691 or something like that uh, in France. And uh, he, anyone ever watched, uh, like, The Three Stooges, Larry, Moe, and Curly? <laughs> Laurel and Hardy? Yeah. Brother Lawrence. He was one of those guys. He was a bumbler. He just, he met, kind of messed up everything he did. And he got so discouraged that he finally just gave up. And he's like, I'm a wretch of a human being, and, and I'm miserable. And his name wasn't Lawrence. He changed it to Brother Lawrence. But... He says this in his book, Practicing the Presence, or The Practice of the Presence, depending on how it's translated. He said, I decided, and he was a footman. He was, he was working for, you know, state or coaches or whatever, and he would help with bags and whatever. And he messed it up so bad, he would probably break things, and he'd trip, and he'd hurt people. And it was, he was just, he was pathetic at it. At everything he tried, he was pathetic at. He said, I decided, instead of continuing as a footman, to be received into a monastery. He went to a monastery. I decided to sacrifice my life with all of its pleasures to God. I love this line. But he greatly disappointed me in this idea. (laughs) For I have met with nothing but satisfaction in giving my life over to him. (laughs) He's like, I can't even get my failure right. (laughs) I fail at failing. He's like, I give up. I'm going to go up and give every pleasure of my life and be miserable in a monastery. I'll just give it all to God since I'm, I'm such a bumbler and an idiot. I'm just going to go be a bumbler, idiot monk. I'll shave my little thing on my head and put the robe on, and you know what? It's just gonna, I'll just be miserable there. And he's like, yeah, God disappointed me with that idea. I, didn't, I did not succeed in being miserable. He said, I've been, once I surrendered my life wholly to God, I met with nothing but pleasure. Huh. His presence. So he's famous for working in the kitchen. That's what he did. He helped out with some shoes too, I think, but mostly worked in the kitchen. He did dishes. People, dignitaries, would come from across the land by the end of his life just to sit with him and watch him wash dishes. True story. This is a true story in the 1600s because he carried so much of the presence of God in his life. He had so much wisdom. Like he was a, just, a, a, like any way you can define failure, Brother Lawrence or whatever his name was before that defined it. Finally he's like, I'm just going to go be miserable with a bunch of other people that say, um, and don't talk. I don't know. <laughs> Goes to the monastery, surrenders everything to God, and finds, after years of, of practicing, learns how to cultivate a presence where God was always with him in every little task that he did. He found a way to invite the Holy Spirit into every little thing that he did. And he walked and talked with God, making bread. 
and washing monk pans. And it became, he became famous because he got to a place that the high priests and everyone else, like no one else was at that place, but they noticed something different about him. You glow, dude. And people would come to hear him talk and to watch him wash dishes. Wow. He says, oh, Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, in your presence, is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. And Brother Lawrence says this, I cannot imagine how religious persons can live satisfied without the practice of the presence of God. For my part, old English here, I keep myself retired with him in the depth of center of my soul as much as I can. And listen, while I am so with him, I fear nothing. But the least turning from him is insupportable. He's like, my soul so wants to be with God that when I start doing dishes without talking to the Lord, I can't even, I guess it's, I can't even fathom doing that anymore because I love being with Jesus and he loves being with me. We like being together. He talks to me like a friend, face to face. It's the presence of God. So you need to be aware. I mean, we could, this, wow, we're zipping through these. You got to be aware. And then this one here. Um, you, you can do the right things but not get the right result if we don't cultivate a hunger for God. We already talked about it with Moses, igniting that fire in our souls. It was the word of God for us this morning, you know, at, at the end of worship. Let that fire burn in our souls. It's that hunger. And so the question today is, if you're not experiencing the, God, the presence of God in your life, like if you, if you don't have, from the last week or two or three, if you don't have a, a moment where you can point to and say, man, I was... I was God just showed up in my car or in the barn or, you know, when I was about to punch that cow in the head, you know, or whatever. Like, the Lord showed up. And I, I know I know that I, I felt the presence of God. I felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit. I felt God's presence in some kind of way. Then my question is this. It's not, oh, how bad are you? It's not that at all. It's, it's how hungry are you? And it, here's, a, here's a sad question, a scary question, but a real question and it's an honest question. Do you, do you want, uh, and I'm not saying this snotty or mean, but do you want the presence? And I think at a time in my life, I, you know, for a little bit, probably didn't even want the presence of God. It's really, I just, you know, maybe didn't care about it. The, most, the, the majority of my life has been consumed with chasing after the presence of God because I know I need him so much. But maybe we're just really satisfied and we just, I, it's just really not that important to me. And my just, my prayer would be, God, Make me hungry. Help me to be hungry. I'm not hungry for you. I want to be hungry for you, though. I want to tell you a story today. Jim, you're involved in this story, too. And to the best of my knowledge, God is attracted to hunger. He's like a moth to a flame. He's attracted to hungry hearts. Let's say, stay with, wake up your neighbor. Stay with me for a second. God's attracted to hungry hearts. Where there's hungry hearts. Hey, listen. When we go to conferences, like we lead worship at conferences sometimes, and uh, people always come up to us. And in the very beginning, before we knew a little bit better, we thought we were so patted on the back. Oh, man, oh, we are so awesome. And we didn't think about it like that, but it felt really good. Because we'd go to a conference, and the presence of God would show up. People would weep. Lives would be changed. God would show up. It would be destiny, prophetic words, and we're the worship team. And people flocked to us afterwards. You guys are so incredible. Now we know better. We know that everyone that came to that conference pitched the tent. They found a babysitter. They got work off. They paid money to go to that conference. They came in and they're like, God, I've just been barely hanging on to this conference. You got to meet me here. And they walk in. All these southern people come there. I don't know. They just, like, if I don't meet you here. So we walk in and strum our little guitar and plunk our little keyboard and hallelujah, praise to Jesus. And God shows up for these hungry people. And they're like, you guys are so amazing. We're like, thank you. But we know it's not us. Now, we just, we receive, because we work hard, we've practiced, we do the things, set up the stuff, tear down the stuff, whatever. 
We know we can do that all day long, but without the hungry hearts, God's attracted to hungry hearts. So let me tell you a story. I didn't always used to be the pastor of this place. For a while, I was an associate pastor. We were worship leaders. I didn't always used to be a worship leader at this place. Before that, I was a youth pastor. Didn't always be a youth pastor at this place. Before that, I was a youth leader with two other people. And while I was a youth leader, my heart burned for the Lord. I was passionate about God because I came out of death and destruction and brokenness and drugs and alcohol and blah. And God had renewed my heart. And I'm like, Jesus, I want you. I want nothing but you. I want all of you. And I, I had a black guitar because it was the 90s. So hot pink was the thing. So I had a black guitar with a hot pink guitar strap. Remember that? It had flowing hair. I had locks of love, man. It was just... <laughs> It was amazing. I picture myself a lot like Fabio. <laughs> I don't think that's true, but in my head, it's a little distorted, but in my head, it probably looked like that. It didn't look anything like that. <laughs> and so that speaker used to be right up here. We've since moved it to make more room on the stage. And so where that keyboard is right back there, that was my spot. Here's where I played guitar. And I don't think I've ever told this story to anybody. And I would hide behind the speaker because I did not want to be up front. I did not want people to see me. I like being behind the scenes a lot more. You guys are like, really? It's a true story. And so we were doing worship one time. Jim and Kathy were the worship leaders. If you don't know Jim and Kathy, that's Marnie's mom and dad. They were the worship leaders for the first five years of our church. And so Pastor Fearing was the pastor. And back in those days, Pastor thought the coolest thing that God was doing was whatever he was saying. <laughs> and I love Pastor Fear. You, you, I, like, he was one of my best friends, and he grew so much over the years. But in those early days, the coolest thing that God could do was when he got up. Into, you know, like, so worship was okay. By the time he passed away, he's like, he was saying worship is the only thing in this service that really matters. To, you know, like he had, cha he had changed, he had grown. He, like, so anyways, but in those days, it wasn't that he was against it, just as long as it hurry up and got done. <laughs> but he wanted God to show up. He did want, he always, 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 always wanted God to show up, people to get healed, lives to be changed, marriage to be restored, like whatever. He wanted God to show up. And so Jim and Kathy would lead used to be a podium down here, you know, whatever. And uh, then kind of when they got, pastor would come up usually, you know, and then there'd be the transition and, and uh, usually the fight a little bit. I think we should sing another song. Oh, we got to go, you know, whatever. And it was on one of those days, and, and I apologize if I'm lying. If I have told this story to anyone before, I don't think I've told, Marnie doesn't know this story. And so I'm back there and I'm playing guitar. I got my hot pink strap on, and I'm just jamming away. And I'm just loving Jesus. And we get to the end, and pastor comes up. My heart breaks. My God, this has been good, but we haven't met with you yet. My God, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. And back in those days, there was, there was some tension between the worship leader and the pastor, right? Like, we wanted to see more of what God wanted to do in worship. He wanted to see more of what he could tell you and whatever. And he was an amazing pastor, but just in that stage of his life, that's, there, was a, there was a tension. And I remember, I remember the agony and the ache of my soul, and it felt like every cell in my body was crying out to God. And I'm like, God, and I, I, I feel like I, this was 28 years ago or something like that, so I don't remember for sure. I think I got on my knees, which wouldn't have been uncommon, you know, whatever. But you're, you're handing off the service. And so Dwight took the mic, and he started moving on, and we were going to do announcements or whatever was happening, and we had, like, fully moved on. And it was, worship was done, and I think people were starting to walk off the stage. I don't remember exactly. But I was crying out, God, 
I need to meet with you. I know you're here, but there's got to be more. There's got to be more. There's got to be more. This can't be it. There's got to be more. There's got to be more. There's got to be more. There's got to be more, God. God, don't let this end. Don't let it stop. Don't let it stop. Don't let it end. And I didn't say it out loud. It was in my heart. And I was just sitting there. Nobody else had any idea what was going on. And I thought I was going to die if God's presence didn't show up. And Pastor Fearing stops. He goes, God wants to do something more here. And we changed back and we worshiped more and people were ministered to and God showed up. I did that. (laughs) You know what I mean by that. God's attracted to hungry hearts. He's like, there's a dork with a pink guitar strap that doesn't even, he doesn't know that you can't do that. God's like, I like that. He's like, I don't know what you guys are going to do, but I'm going to go meet him. Sometimes you're the only one in the room that's desperate enough to see God show up. Have I ever shared that story before? (laughs) Wow. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they'll be filled. So we got to be aware. We're going to push pause on yours. We got to be aware. We got to look for God to show up, and we've got to be hungry. If you do this stuff, but you don't really want to meet with God, if you're not hungry to see Him do something in your heart and life, He'll honor your lack of hunger. He's good that way. If you don't really want to meet with him, he won't impose himself upon you most times. There are sovereign moments where God moves or whatever. But So really quick, let's finish up fast. One way that God moves. So how do we, how do we, how do we set the tent? Prayer. I do want Aspen to share this. Yeah, like right now. So we talk about hunger. Prayer. We're meeting with God. We're meeting with God. Now, I don't know about you. Let's see, let's see how mature and honest people are going to be today. How many have ever had a boring prayer time? Oh, we got a few people that are honest today. I've had thousands of them. Oh, this is hard, right? I've had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of glorious ones, but I've had hard ones as well. But you're meeting with God. And so Aspen was just telling me this last night. I'm like, and she had no idea what we're talking about today. I'm like, oh, dude, you got to share that. <laughs> You're just driving through town. Yeah. So, like I shared when Avery and I were up here, every morning when I go into work, I pray because it just sets my heart for the day. And just recently, I've kind of just started thinking about, like, I can start praying for our our town. Like, that's something I could do. And um, so it was, I think, two weeks ago on a Sunday, and I was driving into town, and like it switched like the presence of God was in the car and I started prophesying things saying things I would never say it's like like God was talking through me and I was like crying out I was like God this is not how I want this to be I want to see this changed I want this town yeah like I want people I want um this town not to be a town of like spirits and things but of the holy spirit like i want when people drive through this town to be changed like and it was really cool (laughs) amen hunger and then the vehicle of prayer hunger and a vehicle to carry that hunger of prayer and she met with god She prays all the time coming into town and even prays for our town all the time. But she's like, God, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be drug infested and and witchcraft. And like, God, there can be something different. And her hunger for the Lord, God said, hold on, guys, stop the meeting. I got to go somewhere. I got there's somewhere I need to be right now. And God shows up in her car and she senses the atmosphere change. Well, she's just being emotional. Maybe. I don't think so, though. I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, atmosphere changes. Uh, Brother Lawrence said this, how can we pray to God without being with him 
And how can we be with him without thinking of him often? And how can we think of him often without forming the holy habit of being in his presence? Just, God, I want to be with you. R.A. Torrey, he, he ministered with D.L. Moody. He, he, I read his book on prayer, and he had this little paragraph. It just, it just punched me in the gut. He's like, why do you pray when no one's there? I'm like, what? It was written in the 1800s. He's like, no, don't just pray to the air. He's like, cultivate the presence of Jesus before you pray. And I know what he was saying. Like, you can pray anytime, anyway. Like, that's fine. But what he's saying is, why not spend time inviting the Holy Spirit to come and fill these prayers and to be with you as you're praying? So I thought that was really cool. And uh, Neil Anderson in his Rivers of Revival book, he says, commenting about a meeting in Pingyang, China, Jonathan Goforth, what a name for a missionary, huh? Jonathan Goforth noted, as I remember, those missionaries at Pingyang were just ordinary, everyday people. I did not notice any outstanding figure among them. They seemed to live and work like and act like other missionaries. It was in their prayer that they were different. One evening, Dr. McKay and myself were invited to attend the missionary prayer meeting. Never have I been so conscious of the divine presence as I was that evening. Those missionaries seemed to carry us right up to the very throne of God. One had the feeling that they were indeed communing with God face to face. That's prayer. Worship, we got to go really fast. I do, I just, I don't, I want to hit these quick. So if you, if you can give me, try to give me five more minutes, I'll talk to those of you that are still awake. Okay. You're going to experience God in worship. I did this morning on the way into town. You just, you just sing to the Lord. Well, why do I have to sing? I don't know. Because God told you to. Like, like, I don't, he set it up. I didn't. Don't yell at me. <laughs> worship is, is an attitude of the heart, but it's a vehicle. Song is a vehicle that we worship in. I don't know why he set it up like that. But uh, we were going to talk. Look at this. Uh, John 4.23 a time is coming and now has come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. You don't find many things in the Bible that the Lord is seeking. He's seeking worshipers. So, can you worship without the presence of Jesus? Lots of times that happens. Singing is good. It soothes our soul. But you mix hunger and worship, and God's like, hold on, Gabriel, got to go there for a minute. Yep, I got to go. <laughs> like, it's just, it's the code. You punch it in. You ignite your own heart in whatever way that, you know, God set my heart. I want more of you. I don't want to just go have church. I don't want to just do my prayer room thing at home. I don't want to just drive to work and pray for a few people. I want to just sing a song. I want to experience you. You mix that hunger with with. The worship and you experience the presence of God. I will never forget another moment that marked me. It was a Wednesday night. Wednesday night, we don't have the full band. It's not as glorious, right? It's just, but sometimes it carries more of the presence of God because it's the people that really want to be here and we really want to press into Jesus and we really want to see God do something. And I remember being right up here leading worship and a guy that I didn't know walked in. And he had a black leather jacket and a three-foot scowl on his face. And he sat down right next to where Devon is sitting right there, right in that chair. And I was scared of that guy. And he scowled at me the whole time we led worship. And on Wednesday night, it's just three songs. You know, it's, it's, there's no big fanfare. It's pretty scaled down. And about two and a half songs into it, he stands up, scowls at me, walks out. I'm like, whew, glad that's over. <laughs> and we found out a week or two later that the reason that he left is because he was overwhelmed and was weeping and didn't want anyone to see him weep. Like, whoa, the presence of God. He'd never experienced that before. I don't know what, just, so he just, stomps out of here and then came back later and gave his life to Christ and you know but before he knew Jesus he came in here and experienced something in worship let's see if we can finish up real fast uh, revival something let's read this one about the Welsh revival <laughs> I, I know I'm over I just I want to try to finish this Evan Roberts and those who sang with him in the Welsh revival here and those 
uh, who are speaking in other parts are urging the people to praise and to pray, and the church everywhere is doing it. And while the church is praising, singing plaintively in Welsh such songs as, Oh, the Lamb, the Gentle Lamb, the Lamb of Calvary, or while the church is singing the love of God, men and women are coming down brokenhearted, sin-convicted, and yielding themselves to Jesus Christ. Where you've got hungry people in, coupled with the vehicle of worship, things happen. The presence of God shows up. Last one, the Word of God couple quotes by A.W. Tozzi. See, when you get in the Word of God, it's God's Word. It's His Word. It's His God-breathed Word. But the Pharisees knew His Word as well. So A.W. Tozer says this, sound Bible exposition is an imperative. So we must have sound Bible exposition in the Church of the Living God. Without it, no church can be a New Testament church in any strict meaning of that term. Listen, but exposition may be carried on in such a way as to leave the hearers devoid of any true spiritual nourishment whatsoever. For it is not mere words that nourish the soul, but God himself. He goes on to say this, and unless and until the hearers find God in personal experience, they are not the better for having heard the truth. The Bible is not an end in itself, but a means to bring men to an intimate and satisfying knowledge of God that they may enter into him and may delight in his presence and may taste and know the inner sweetness of the very God himself in the core and center of their being, their spirit. We could do three weeks on each one of these. We're done. Here's the summation. Got to be aware of God. Cultivate a hunger for God and then give him a place to show up. These aren't the only three places, but these are the easiest to access. Wish I could explain this more, but I, t- I talk too long and too slow. But there's, there's opportunity for 100% of you to experience God's presence. Last slide, I promise. Questions as you leave today. Where have I met Jesus or God or the Holy Spirit today? And where have I missed Jesus or God or the Holy Spirit today? Cultivate that awareness. Cultivate that. God, I don't want to go through a day where I miss you. I want to go through a day where I encounter you, where I notice that you're doing something, where my heart changes. Or experience you. <sighs> Sometimes, standing up here, you feel like you've been tasked with the impossible. That's how I feel today. My God, I did my best. I hope we. I hope I gave you a morsel. Man, I know that. I I just think about the message, and I think I could have explained that better. Oh, I should have talked about that. I'm sorry. But I want you to see my hunger for God. I want you to know that it's, it's a defining characteristic, not only of his followers, but, but of us. We've set our heart to follow him. We've set our heart to seek him. And if you seek him with your whole heart, you will find him. So if you can walk away with anything, be aware, be hungry, and create a space for God to show up. Give him some time in the morning. Give him some time at night. I don't know. Open your Bible. Pray to the Lord. Sing a song. (laughs) It's not that hard, but be hungry and wait for God to show up. Don't get disappointed. Don't get discouraged. And that's it for today. God, I bless this people. Thank you for their patience today. And I pray that each and every one would walk out with a sense that you're calling them to a deeper place. Thank you. Uh, for the men and women of God who are saying yes to you today. We thank you for your presence. We bless this church in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Amen.